bar. From a performance and an effort standpoint, no disappointment whatsoever. Great number seven knows like we did last year. This is Pool Time on Impact Sports Radio, your source for goals, high dives, and butterflies. And now your host, Max King. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pool Time. Let's go ahead and look at the show breakdown. We're going to start out talking women's water polo. We're going to look at their Spartan invite results from last weekend at East Lansing. And then from there, we're going to go and look at this weekend's matchups at the CWPA games at Purdue this weekend. We're going to talk to head coach Mike Scarcelli, who's going to recap both the Spartan invite from last weekend, and then he's going to preview their upcoming games on Saturday and Sunday. And then from there, we're going to talk swimming. Big next couple weeks for the Michigan State swimming and diving team. The Women's Big Ten Championship is next week starting Wednesday. And so we're going to preview that. We're going to hear from head coach Matt Giannotis, freshman Sarah Love, Marcella Kaprazowitz, and Andy Driska, who, if you remember, was on the show once before. He's going to talk about the sports psychology side of preparing for a big meet like Big Tens. Remember, Andy Driska, he's a PhD student here at Michigan State, and he also serves as the sports psychologist for the Michigan State swim team. So that's what the show is going to look like today. We're going to start out with water polo. Let's look at the Spartan invite from last weekend. It didn't go quite as planned, I would say, if you're Michigan State. They probably wished it would have gone a little bit better, but they started out, they opened up the tournament, on fr- last Friday, they started out beating Grand Valley 8-4 to for their first game. And senior captain Diana Steele recorded a hat trick in that first outing. And then later that Friday night was the big game against Michigan. And they lost 11-5. to And it was a rough first period. They had six goals allowed in the first period. Five of those goals were allowed in U of M's first five possessions of the game. They had a tough time getting offense going inside five meters. They were taking a lot of shots outside five meters, a lot of times off a minor foul. Whereas Michigan, they were getting a lot of inside penetration into set, and they're running fast breaks, and they were really seemed to be well-oiled machine. Michigan State couldn't get a lot of offense going inside, especially in set. Michigan was very good on defense. So that was a tough loss for them. And then later on Saturday... They lost to another good team, a top 10 team in Notre Dame, 10 to 8. And they were actually down by quite a bit in that game. They came back and tied it late in the game. But Notre Dame, like most good top 10 teams do, they were able to finish them off late in the fourth quarter. So we're going to hear from Coach Mike Scarcelli now, and he's going to recap the weekend from the Spartan invite and share his thoughts on how his team performed. Overall, I. I thought we had some improvement areas uh, against Michigan. I thought we played a little uh, less stellar than we did the first time. We saw an additional four goals on their side, and we didn't really add any. Uh, the good part was that we were still shooting. We still had opportunities that we hadn't capitalized on. So if we can 
capitalize on those in the future by better execution and not turning the ball over or getting offensives. I still think we might be able to make up some of that differential. Against some of the other teams, Notre Dame, we had a really close game. Uh, we ended up losing by two, but at one point late in the game, we pulled even after they had taken a pretty early substantial lead. Uh, Notre Dame is a top 10 ranked team in the nation, so I felt that with a new line, a first time new line put in with some young players that had just moved up, they showed a pretty competitive play against Notre Dame. So I was happy with that. And now that we we're working on a really, our, our more experienced line is having a few problems with execution, but I think in the future, they'll hone that down. So hopefully this weekend, when we play Illinois, we get the, the win there, and then a strong game against Michigan. And let's talk about that Michigan game for a second last weekend. It, was, it seemed like really they came out, got out to a really substantial lead, and then it seems like you kind of buckled down a little bit, especially in that second quarter when they, you didn't allow a goal. Uh, why do you think they got off to such a big lead early on? Well, there was a couple plays where on offense that we should have scored for one, but two, we didn't re recognize that they were countering us the other way. They got a fast break or they got, a uh, they got an offensive advantage on our defender and they got the goal or the kick out. And yes, they started off 6-1. We were down by five goals early on. And then after that, the game was pretty much 5-5. And so if we could take away those, those major errors that lead to almost assured goals the other way, uh, we can keep it a little closer. But for two periods of play, we were even Steven. It was really just one one quarter that really blew it for us. And to have it you know, be the first quarter at your home pool stings a bit, so hopefully we can buckle down when we get uh, our next round on Sunday. Now, CWPA games are coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday at Purdue. CWPA is the Collegiate Water Polo Association. They're one of the governing entities of water polo, especially for club water polo. And so what happens is two tournaments out of the water polo season are CWPA, official CWPA games. And what that means is those games count towards your Big Ten tournament seeding. So you might see a Big Ten team three or four times in a season, but only one of those times is actually going to count towards where you will be seeded above or below them in the Big Ten tournament. So the first round of CWPA games is this weekend at Purdue. And again, these games will count towards where each team will end up in the Big Ten Championship Tournament. So let's look at the schedule. Saturday, Michigan State starts out against Wisconsin at 2.40 p.m. And then later that night at 6.10, a big game against the University of Illinois, a team that Michigan State saw the beginning of the season, and they won a double overtime sudden death game against Illinois 7-6. But if you recall, Coach Scarcelli said that Illinois had had some rough traveling the night before. They didn't get to that tournament in Ann Arbor until about 4 a.m., and so they were very tired, and he expects this time around for them to be well-rested and very strong. And so that's going to be a very good game for Michigan State, and I think that could carry momentum. If they can get the win on Saturday night, then Sunday morning they have Michigan at 9 a.m. That could possibly carry over some of that momentum. Now, this will be the third time they've seen Michigan and as many tournaments the last three consecutive weekends. So this one's the one that actually counts, though, for the CWPA seedings. And so that'll be a very huge game for both teams. And then lastly, they close out the tournament at 1.40 p.m. against Indiana. So we're going to go back to Coach Scarcelli. He's going to preview the task at hand for his team's matchups this weekend at Purdue. 
Well, first, I think they have to make sure that they don't take Illinois for granted. Even though they were tired, if they come back rested and we see that huge improvement, they have to make sure that they're, they're ready for that and not to think that it's going to be an easy win. Even though I do think that we did outplay them and the score did not reflect the, the type of play, we do have to understand that last year they did end up coming back and beating us at the Big Ten final championship tournament when we had beaten them in regular season. So we know it's one of those teams that can really swing both ways and we have to make sure that we're on our game and ready for everything. And then you mentioned, again, it seems like we're always talking about Michigan, but uh, Reimer Smart for her, number 12, we talked about her before. She was so dominant last weekend. When you face her again, now that you've seen her play a couple times, do you know what you can do to counter her maybe and uh, maybe try to keep her at bay this time? What we're trying to look for is several defensive uh, players that can work in conjunction to really shut down that side for her. She's so very strong with her moves and also with uh, her left uh, arm and her shooting. Uh, so hopefully what we will try to do is know that, one, they're going to look to her a lot and try to take up the passing lanes and shut her down so that they're unprepared to, for their second or third looks. And, and lastly, uh, we mentioned that these games count towards the Big Ten tournament seeding. How important is it for you to start off on a good note rather than trying to make up ground when you go to that second round of games? I think for the championship, once we get near the end and how things will play out, there are probably a few shockers. But I think ultimately, as long as we give ourselves an easy path to get to either a game in the semifinal or the final against Michigan, uh, that will be our best shot for an upset. I think to play Michigan early on wouldn't be in our favor because I think that one of the things that we will have a little bit more than them is two solid balanced lines. I think they're going to have a very, very talented line uh, with some X Division One players, but then their second line is going to have more weaknesses, whereas I think we'll have two balanced lines. So if fatigue becomes a factor, that's going to become a factor later on in the tournament. So as long as we get them semifinals or finals, we'll be good to go. Let's transition to swimming now. We have the Big Ten Championship that starts for the women's team on Wednesday, that's the 19th, and ends Saturday, the 22nd, and that's at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. So let's hear it first from Coach Matt Giannotis, and then we're going to go to freshman Sarah Love, and then Marcelo Kaprazowicz, who's a senior, kind of get the two perspectives on first time going to the Big Ten Championship meet and their last time. So we're going to hear from those two on the women's team, and then we're going to go to Andy Driska, who, like I said, is going to talk to us about how to prepare for a championship meet in the sports psychology end of things and the work that he has done with the team. So let's go to Matt Giannotis first. One week from today, you'll be swimming at Big Tens for your women's team. What's the feeling of the team heading into the biggest meet of the year one week out? Excitement. And I think um, I think it's an earned excitement, too. I don't think it's a phony excitement. And I, I think our girls are, are ready. And, um, you know, we don't have a very big group this year. It's been really cool. Little by little, physically, we're looking better and better in the water. But I'd say that would be the best way to describe it is excitement. And anything can happen to a swimmer when they're shaved and tapered. So as a coach... How exciting is it for you anticipating what the women are going to do next week? Yeah, I think it's cool. And I, I think that's one of the cool things about swimming is the fact that you never really know what you're going to get, you know. And and, um, and like I said, you know, everything in terms of our indicators are that our, we're going to swim well. We've trained really hard. Um, and our kids have been really disciplined through the uh, through the, the taper phase, the rest phase here the last part of the season. Uh, I think we were a little overscheduled last week. Um, I probably 
put a little bit too much on him last uh, Saturday. And you're at the point now where you're about a couple weeks out of the meet that you're not going to be swimming that great anyway, so it was probably the best place to put a dual meet. But our kids are ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about going. I love going to Minnesota. I, I love to have it there. Um, they do a good job of putting the meat on, and uh, I'm really excited to get up there. And for swimmers who haven't been a part of a big meet like Big Tens before, how do you help them prepare for that atmosphere? You don't. They have to experience it. And, uh, you know, in, in my time here at Michigan State, uh, we have had a, a, a small percentage of freshmen really excel at that level. In relays, I don't think they have that much of a hard time. But individually, especially when you go day to day to day, the emotional level is so high. So it's something you have to experience, and it's something you have to learn, you know. I mean, I would liken it to the fact that you don't see a lot of true freshmen playing college football nowadays because it's just the speed of everything gets picked up. No, we don't have that luxury of a red shirt, but you, you don't. You can't, you can't, you can talk about it, and you can say as much as you want about it, but really, and you can take them to different dual meets and swim against different, but it's just a different kind of animal once you get there. As far as the actual meet goes, what are some events that you think your team has a chance to place highly in? To place highly, I think we have a good chance in the of the 50 and the 100 with Summer and, and other people too, um, um, Emily and Sarah. I think our flies are good, uh, 100 and 200. Uh, you know, Sarah's been great all year, and Hannah in the 200 fly was 25th last year, so she's good. I think our IMs are good with Lizzie, and Lizzie in the 200 fly also. Our breaststrokes have been fantastic this year uh, with uh, Shelby and uh, with Marina. And uh, and our relays are good, too. I think our distance events with Becca, we got a good shot there. I don't know how many points we'll score, but I think we're definitely going to get second swims, and I think that's really kind of a step in the right direction. We've been doing everything we can this season to kind of lay a foundation so we're, that we're ready for next year. But I think we have chances in a lot of events. I think we're in good shape, and uh, I think we can do really well. Last meet of the season for your seniors pending. They don't get any NCAA cuts. So what do you tell them for their last meet? Well, I tell them that, you know, there's, I heard a story years ago about uh, Charlie Mad Dog Thornhill, and, and his, his uh, mantra was empty the bucket. You know, you got a bucket full of water. When you come off the field, empty the bucket. Make sure that your bucket is empty. And, you know, when you, when you go into your last meet, it takes on even a whole different level, like empty the bucket because you're never going to be here again. And, you know, some people move on and they do different types of competitions, masters in swimming and other kind of comp But really, you're never going to have this level of competition, this kind of excitement ever again. So empty the bucket. Take it out. Go get it. I've just kind of been doing what I usually do. I'm kind of approaching it like my end of season meets in high school. There's a lot of pressure back then. I feel the pressure now. But, I mean, I think I'm handling it pretty well. And have you taken any advice or just talked to some of the upperclassmen who have been through it a few times yet? Yeah, they all said to just have fun and relax. I mean, I have some big goals this weekend, but um, I'm kind of excited to see if I can reach them. I think it's most important to like keep your energy low and make sure that you're getting enough rest and uh, pr mentally prepare yourself for Big Tens just so you don't over-anticipate what's, uh, what's coming. In your last meet of your career, by that Saturday of that meet, what do you want to have accomplished? Ideally, I'd like to have best times, but uh, with swimming, that's that's hard to do at every meet. I, th I hope to get there, but I also want to have fun with my team and just make the most of the moment. Andy, before we get into Big Tens, let's just look at sports in general. Usually at the end of the year, there's a big meet, a game, competition, whatever you want to call it. What's the ideal mindset for preparation before one of those events? I think the ideal mindset really can vary from one swimmer to another. In general, having a good amount of self-confidence and belief and trust that your training will pay off, that's essential for every swimmer out there. But in terms of that individual 
makeup that is going to allow you to succeed at a meet like Big Tens, which I would say is the, if not the fastest, certainly the deepest college swimming meet in the country. The individual mindset that will allow somebody to be successful is something that they have hopefully figured out over the course of the year and that um, some of the work I've done as a sports psychology consultant is directed at what are those individual things? What types of imagery do you like to use, for instance? Um, do you like to be more outgoing and talking to your teammates during the meet to sort of distract you from the meet so that, you know, some swimmers like to be distracted, for instance. Um, I could go into it in a lot of depth, but I think every swimmer, I like to say sometimes they're more like cats than they are like dogs. They often have very distinct ways of getting themselves ready to compete at their highest level. So the confidence is really key, but some of the after that it's pretty individualized. Let's talk about some of the work that you've done with the swim team in preparation for Big Ten. What have you been talking to them lately about? Most of it's been pretty much focused on performance imagery. So I would say the majority of it is doing imagery. And if you're not familiar with the concept of imagery, a lot of people are We'll use the term visualization, so picturing in your mind what it's going to be like to swim in a specific race, or even more specific for swimming, we might take a skill like a flip turn and break it down where the swimmer is laying on their back with their feet up against the wall and literally picturing what it's like to do a flip turn and trying to experience all those sensations that come along. And I like to think of it as mental practice for a physical skill. So most of it's been imagery, and then a little bit of it is simply just, I like to call it meet day planning, but it's also a little bit of contingency planning. So what are you going to do? What does your pre-meet routine look like? What time are you going to get out of bed? What are you going to have for breakfast? Are you going to have coffee? A couple of these guys like coffee. <laughs> um, but even things like how much water do you need to drink? Trying to think of all those little details and writing them down. Um, what's your warm-up going to be? And then also doing a little contingency planning. So let's say you get to the warm-up pool and there's 20 people in your lane, which is almost impossible to warm up. So how are you going to handle that stress? Are you going to get in earlier than you normally would? Or are you just going to hop in there and deal with it? You know, so being prepared for all these little things, I think it helps swimmers to, be, to have that right mindset. So they're not going to get thrown off by, by something that doesn't quite go their way. And for a team like Michigan State, who struggled against Big Ten competition this year, going into a Big Ten meet when maybe they're not necessarily competing for a title, from a sports psychology standpoint, how do you focus attention away from that and just focusing on the meet and doing what they have to do? A couple strategies that would work. One is what I like to call putting the blinders on. So horses when horses race they put blinders on them so they don't see what's going on around them they're not looking at the other horses necessarily they're more responsive to the jockey um, in swimming putting the blinders on to me means keeping your mind in your own lane so you have a lane it's 25 yards just like the guy next to you and it doesn't matter if the guy next to you has the olympic rings tattooed on his body somewhere because he competed for the olympics uh, some olympic team somewhere you know, you have to do what you have to do. And no one in swimming is going to keep you from doing that, only yourself. So keeping the blinders on is, is one of those things, for, especially for guys who can kind of get distracted by 
I mean, it's it's a fast meet. There's television cameras down there. I mean, it's a it's a spectacle, and swimming is rarely in the spotlight like that. But it is at Big Tens. I mean, it's a big deal. So keeping the blinders on is one thing. And you kind of already touched on it a little bit, but for swimmers who may be freshmen or first-time swimmers making second-semester cuts, they can come into a big meet like this. You said it can get kind of nerve-wracking and overwhelming. So for those swimmers, how can they avoid those feelings and just focus on what they need to do? Is it the same thing? Yeah, I mean, again, part of it, I think putting the blinders on is an important thing. Um, part of it, as I said earlier, was confidence and trusting your training. Not trying to do anything too crazy. Like, oftentimes the temptation is you've raced the race one way the whole year, and then you see how fast the competition is, and at the last minute you try to change something up. I mean, that's a big temptation, but that's usually not going to end well. So, again, trusting the way you've prepared, trusting all the training that you've done. You know, keeping your head in your own lane is, is something that's really, really important. With Big Tens, it's so fast and it's so deep that it's very difficult to get a swim at night. Um, in past years, you've seen uh, 24 people swim at night in the top 16 score. You've seen meets where everyone who swam at night, all 24 swimmers made a provisional cut for the NCAA. I mean, that's very, very fast. So to think you have to have provisional cuts to swim at night in Big Tens, like, all right, that's kind of what you're up against as a swimmer. So... Treating the meet like a timed finals meet um, where you only have one swim, that morning swim, is sometimes a mentality that can be a helpful mentality for a swimmer who may not have a chance of breaking into that top 24. Um, whereas when you go back to the meet we swam at Northwestern, you know you're probably going to swim at night. This one, it's, it's one and done. And so you have to be prepared to, to do it right the first time you go out there. And... Um, and in some cases, I think that can actually be beneficial for some swimmers, just to have that one-and-done mentality. You know, you're not trying to be too strategic with how you swim in the morning. It's just like, this is my one shot. Go out there and have a personal best. Let's look at the men's team really quick, because there's a difference, obviously, in the, in, in the tapers and stuff. So the men's team has 18 days between their meet. The women, obviously, coming up next week, they only have 11 um, seven days might not seem like a lot, but when you're tapering, that can be quite a bit. So how can the men equip themselves for that long period of time before they go to big tens? Well, the period of, of time right before a taper meet for a swimmer can often be filled with a lot of feelings of anxiety because in swimming, really what you're doing is you're putting all your eggs in one basket. I mean, this this performance at the end of the year is what you spend your entire season training for and it's natural to be kind of anxious and wondering about hey how am I gonna do I mean and to make matters worse when you taper all of a sudden you have trouble sleeping because you're only doing about half the amount of work you were doing so you're more energetic you want to stay up later and then then you start worrying about it and the best thing you can do is really just to try to get yourself into a routine. And the closer that routine can be to what it's going to be like a Big Ten, so getting up when you would get up on the morning of competition. I think that's a really important thing to do. Um, you know, striving for eight hours of sleep is, is good. Sometimes that's very difficult for a, for a college student. But if, at the very least, getting yourself up at the same time day in and day out, I think that's really, really important.
And, you know, when it comes to spending the time in the pool, this is the kind of year where you really can't ignore details. So if your turns really haven't been very sharp lately, you can't get lazy. Like, your turns have to be good because you're only doing half as many as you normally would be. So you really have to have a lot more attention to detail at this time of the year. You have to be ready to swim fast. And, you know, I think the last little bit of sort of taper wisdom in a sense is tapering your life <laughs> because those outside of the pool distractions um, they can really they can add up and this is a one time of the year where swimming has to come first I mean you just and you never really want to say that for a student athlete but most of them are doing that anyway they're you know you might not be <laughs> I hate to say it but you may not be studying for that test that you need to study for, maybe not studying as much, you know, because you need to get to bed. Now, finally, the psych sheet is out for the women's championship meet. If you want to look at it, you can view it at the bottom of this page. And that's going to do it for me today. Next week, we'll be previewing the men's Big Ten championship meet, and then we'll be recapping some of the women's championship meet, which will be in progress. Thanks for listening to Pool Time once again here on Impact Sports Radio.